Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hello, everybody. It's Ben Jarofsky. Favorite time of the week. Dave Glowatch joins me. Everybody's like, Dave Glowatch is back. Yes, DG is back. Welcome back, Dave Glowatz. It's always a pleasure, Ben. Thank you for having me. And uh, as everybody knows, because I talk about it obsessively, Dave Glowatz comes on. Mm, I try to get him on more often, but he's like, I'm busy, Ben. I really just can't come on all the this time. This is not true. <laughs> you could stop that. <laughs> well, it was kind of true. Uh, Dave Glowatz, of course, is our expert uh, analyst, uh, Chicago City Council. And I, I just love doing this because, it, you know, as I always say, there's so much horror in the world with the lunatic in charge uh, and the pandemic and forest fires in California, et cetera, and so forth. Just my beloved Chicago City Council in action just brings me back to a simpler time. Uh, and so, uh, D- Dave, tell everybody before we get started where they can find uh, your independent work, your independent journalism uh, and all the deep dives you take on the issues of the day. Go. Find much of my reporting at the website shygov.com, that's C-H-I-G-O-V.com, Inside Chicago Government. On Facebook, go to facebook.com slash InsideGov. And on Twitter, you can follow me at C-H-I-G-O-V-T as in Tom. All right, very good. Uh, So we're going to pick apart uh, last week's Chicago City Council meeting. Uh, Why don't you do the setup, Dave? Give us uh, all the details we need to know before we get started. Well, Ben, since I was last on your show, two full city council meetings have taken place. One was on October 21st, and the most recent one was on September. In August. What did I say, October? Yes. I'm looking forward to Halloween, you know, because <laughs> yeah. I've got, I already got the mask. <laughs> I've got several, as a matter of fact, but they all look the same. It's unfortunate. Anyway, as you were saying, August 21st, and the most recent one on September 8th. We're going to listen to audio from both of those, or as we say on the South Side, devoted them. But first, a word on the August meeting. It's not clear to me, Ben, who decides the dates of full city council meetings. Uh, but despite um, people like Alderman Andre Vasquez of the 40th Ward calling for full city council meetings every two weeks, no full meeting was scheduled for August. However, This is something I learned just recently. State law apparently provides for municipal legislators to call special meetings of their body. So on August 19th, a group of four aldermen sent a communication to the Chicago City Clerk requesting a meeting of the full city council on August 21st. And those four aldermen are... Harrison of Ward 5, Beal of 9, Lopez of 15, and Napolitano of 41. It's kind of an interesting, uh, uh, diverse array, wouldn't you say? Well, I just wrote that down, uh, Beal, yes. And uh, for real uh, Chicago City Council junkies, I'll just point out Leslie Harrison from the uh, Fifth Ward in the Hyde Park South Shore area uh, is a classic Chicago progressive and independent. 
And uh, Anthony Beal from the Ninth Ward on the far southeast side of Chicago is basically what, for lack of a better term, we would call a machine alderman, uh, connections to the Democratic Party. Uh, and uh, Ray Lowe, the, said could be, the same could be said of Ray Lowe, good friend of the show, Raymond Lopez, 15th Ward on the southwest side of Chicago. And Napolitano is what uh, we used to call, he's sort of a machine alderman, but he's also a, like a police alderman. He's a former police officer, firefighter too as well. So, so he characterize him as the only Republican on the city council. And I think that would be an accurate characterization, although in his heart, I believe, I cannot <laughs> see the heart, but I'm just sensing uh, that Raymond Lopez of the 15th Ward, and you know I love you, Raylo. Mm-hmm. I think there's a little Trump in that heart of yours. You kind of showing me a little love for Trump. Anyway, but uh, you're right. Napolitano is the only real Republican in the Chicago City Council. So anyway, these four aldermen sent a communication, which uh, one can find on the city clerk's website. It's uh, got the number F as in Frank, 2020-49. And it called for the council to consider only three items, which we'll get to. And uh, so that was done invoking, as I said, a state law. The city council rules, however, say that a meeting of the full city council can be held only if 26 aldermen show up for it. And guess what? 47 of them actually showed up. Of course, that was on video conference. Yeah. So um, the first item uh, of the three, which we're going to talk about, the first item is a non-binding resolution. Most of them are. And this has the uh, uh, measure number R2020-593. And it calls on Governor J.B. Pritzker to declare a state of emergency for Chicago, and the stated intention of the co-sponsors was that that then, if the governor declared a state of emergency, it would allow the governor to mobilize the National Guard to protect Chicago neighborhoods. Now, the co-sponsors of this particular measure are slightly different from the list of people who are getting calling the special meeting. And that list of the co-sponsors is Lopez of Ward 15, Napolitano of 41, O'Shea of 19 and Tabaris of 23. And let's listen to some talk about this resolution. This first item has to do with a, uh, a resolution for the calling on the governor to declare a state of emergency. And we'll hear um, the introduction by the mayor. And let's listen. I cannot go without saying that I've always had the deepest respect for each of you. It is your commitment to public safety that stands as my personal foundation for respect and admiration for what each of us have to do. But the reason that I believe that we're gathered here today in the supposed name of true government calls me to question the true intent. The nature of the matter before us today themselves are neither exigent nor do they rise to the level of a city emergency that would require that we bypass the democratic process of having meaningful debate whereby witnesses may be called to present testimony and evidence where our colleagues can properly discern for themselves the factors which may or may not place the city in a state of emergency. Madam President, I'm left to believe that we're present on this August 21st because of personal opportunity has arisen, opportunity to carry out personal grievances against the president of this body. And I'd rather not be used as a pawn in that process. In the five years I've been here, each of one of us have always respected the committee process and have not attempted to overthrow it. 
Alderman Lopez, briefly. I rise to my <laughs> colleagues to reject this motion to refer this item to the Public Safety Committee. Yes, we are here for a reason. We are in a state of emergency in the city of Chicago. We have been three months since the rioting and looting that took place at the end of May, the beginning of June, when questions were first asked, what's the plan? There have been no hearings by any committee regarding what that plan is. So I'm sorry if people feel offended, but this is where we are today. This is not personal against anyone in this room. We have an obligation to come together. Today we are together. Today we can have a discussion. Today we can have a vote to ascertain the will of the people as reflected in their elected representatives in this chamber. Simply brushing this aside to a committee that will happen and report out after Labor Day in the next month or even later is not satisfactory for me. And it absolutely is not what the Chicagoans we all were elected to represent want to see. Alderman Beale, please briefly. I too encourage my colleagues not to refer this to committee and to have this discussion today. When you look around, just last night, a 78 year old woman was shot in the chest. Day before that, six people were shot in Auburn Gresham. Calling for a state of emergency is just asking for the National Guard to come in and assist our business districts. The first wave of looting, 300 National Guards were called in to protect downtown. Well, my community wants to be protected as well. This is not personal. This is not grandstanding. This is a Hail Mary to save our community from the things that are happening every single day. Alderman Napolitano. I do too encourage my colleagues just to have this conversation. Right now, we are three months into turmoil, destruction, looting, and rioting. All of you are losing police in all of your wards due to the point that we have to secure the downtown area, which is much understood. But at the same time, we're leaving the rest of the city open for anything to happen. I have zero to gain by grandstanding. All it is is 20 years of me working for this city and loving it and giving everything I got to protect it. I would just like to have the conversation. The first, the first person we heard there, Ben, was Alderman Chris Taliaferro, who is the chair of the Public Safety Committee and also represents the 29th Ward. After we heard him uh, say, express his peak about this uh, resolution, we heard a couple of aldermen talk about how there, there needs to be a conversation about this and then essentially tell, telling Taliaferro tell that uh, this ain't about you, Chris. This is uh, a conversation that we need to have. And by the way, the resolution failed. It was not approved. Okay. May I... Uh, Please go. ...give a few of my thoughts. I was dutifully taking notes uh, as I listened to uh, this discourse, and I just have to tell people this is the first time I've heard this. Uh, Dave Gloess does not provide me uh, with uh, the... Uh, Actualities, that's the radio term for a day. The actualities he provides before he plays them. So this is just first time I've heard it. Here's my initial response. And I'll take it. There were four people who spoke. Chris Talio Farrell, Raymond Lopez, Anthony Beal, uh, excuse me, five, Raylo and Anthony Napolitano. And I must respectfully uh, admit that I disagree with each and one of them. Now you go, Ben, 
How could you disagree with some with people who are already disagreeing with each other? You're going to say, wait a minute. If you disagree with one, you're going to have to agree with the other. <laughs> no, no, no. They're playing games. Let's start with Chris Talia Farrell. He says, this is a personal grievance, and I'd rather not be used as a pawn. In all due respect, that's what you are, Alderman. <laughs> that's what the Alderman and the City Council have been for as long as I've lived in the city of Chicago. Bob Dylan wrote a song about the killing of Medgar Everett back in the 1960s. I know nobody knows that. It's called Only a Pawn in Their Game. And he could have been singing about the aldermen in the Chicago City Council. Of course you're pawns. You get moved around all the time. You get fed talking points by the mayor's speechwriters. You do as you're told in most cases. So of course you're a pawn in their game. You're a pawn in this particular game. Absolutely. By virtue of the fact that as the chair of a committee, you have already pledged your allegiance to Lori Lightfoot. You would not have been named chair of that committee, Dave Goetz. You know this is true. Had you not assured the mayor that you would be a loyal supporter of her in the city council. So I don't know. Is that a pawn necessarily? Well, I don't want to demean anybody, but I'm saying it's pawn-like. Then we move so what, on. Go so what do you what do you think is going? And we we play this game all the time, right? We can't see inside these guys and gals' minds. But do you feel that Talia Farrow is speaking sincerely? That he actually feels offended, or is he playing a part and he knows he's playing a part? Yes. Both. Both. The both of them. Both both of them. Absolutely. And I'll go to uh, Raylo. Same question could be asked for Raylo. Quote, this is not personal. This is not directed at anybody in this room. Raylo, you know I love you. You're always hooked on my show. You're a fun guest to have on. We do battle. But you know when you said it that that was not true. This is most definitely personal. This is directed at Mayor Lori Lightfoot. And for whatever reason, you do not like Mayor Lori Lightfoot. And you've chosen to take a stand against Mayor Lori Lightfoot. You did not take such a stand against Mayor Rahm Emanuel who's the mayor before Lori Lightfoot. I know everybody in the city of Chicago wants to forget that they elected Rahm Emanuel twice, not once, but twice. Oh, Ben, what's his name? I can't remember it. You're so embarrassed by the vote for that guy. I can't remember him. I voted for Lori Lightfoot. Raylo, you were a huge supporter of Rahm Emanuel. So now you weren't that independent then. You weren't calling for special meetings of the Chicago City Council. You weren't questioning police tactics and police strategies. And there was every bit as much violence back then as there is now. Violence is not something that just occurred when Lori Lightfoot was elected mayor of the city of Chicago. As Dave Glowatz can tell you, he's lived in Chicago longer than I have. Chicago, violence is like a Chicago thing. It's always been here. And the city's basic strategy to violence is to lock people up, beat them over the head, and look the other way when guns are being sold. Yes, Dave Glowatz raising his hand. He wants to say something. Go ahead, young man. Is it, what about the possibility that uh, an alderman like Ray Lopez has evolved as a representative of the people and wasn't uh, perhaps uh, as feeling woke. it as yeah whatever you want to call it right like he 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 has not he, you know he's, he's come into this I'm just suggesting this I don't know this 
that he he has come into his own as someone who feels like they have they have they have found their, found his voice perhaps. Fair enough. I will con- I will concede that point. I will say uh, Raymond Lopez has evolved. I certainly appreciate the role he's playing. I've said that many times in these conversations that we've had. I certainly uh, appreciate the role that he's playing. Question to Mayor, but it's very much personal. It's very much directed at one person. It's directed at Lori Lightfoot. So to pretend that it's not personal is to sort of like sell us on something that's not real. And that moves me to Anthony Beal. This is not grandstanding. <laughs> it was the one that had me laughing. Out. This is not grandstanding. This is the definition of grandstanding. And could I give you a little context about that? Before uh, this meeting, uh, in between the time, the, the couple days when the group of four aldermen proposed this meeting and when the meeting took place, the mayor uh, made a public statement where she actually used that word that this is what these folks were doing. They were grandstanding. Well, so they're he, of course. He specifically reacting to that. And, and, and I would say this to Lori Lightfoot. That was demeaning to dismiss their concerns about policing and police strategies as grandstanding. That's straight out of the ROM playbook. That's where you dismiss absolutely every critical thing that an alderman says as posturing. That goes back to the old days of Richard J.D. How many trees have you planted? You know, it's like nobody's allowed to criticize you because then it's political. That sounds like something Donald Trump would say. So it's very much political gamesmanship that's going on here. Uh, but there's a very a serious concern, which is what's the proper tool or approach, whatever you want to say, strategy that we should adopt for policing? Uh, we're dealing with crime, dealing with criminal justice. This is something Chicago is not directly confronted in all the years I've been here. This is something Chicago sweeps under the rug. This is something that Chicago pretends that there is no debate on, that we have all, we're all locked in on one idea, and that's lock them up. And by the way, the final one, the Palatano from <laughs> this one had me laughing. I almost laughing out loud. 41st Ward. I have zero to gain by grandstanding. Are you kidding me? Nothing to gain by grandstanding? Nothing to be gained? You're a police officer and an, all, an award filled with police officers supported by the Fraternal Order of Police who've been at battle with Mayor Lori Lightfoot since she took office, who've supported Donald John Trump, who is using Chicago as like his backdrop, his political backdrop to sort of scare people into white, white people, I should be specific, into voting Republican? You have nothing to be gained by joining that? You have plenty to be gained. You got the support of the Fraternal Order Police to be gained for that. You got the support of many of the law and order types in your ward. You go into a, a restaurant or, a, well, they were probably all closed because of the pandemic. You walk into a grocery store and someone will say, Alderman Napolitano, I loved it when you stood up for the police department and told that so-and-so what you really thought. Of course you have something to be gained for it. It's not like he's Tom Payne taking a courageous stand. <laughs> if Alderman Anthony Napolitano got up and said, you know, I've been studying this for a long time, and as a police officer, I want to tell you that I believe it's time we adopted a system where civilian review, civilian review of police officers, that would be a courageous stand. I would be like, oh, my God. He would you really do have nothing to be gained. He would surely have nothing to gain from that. Yes. Uh-huh. But that's like me going into a Trump rally and saying, I am going to take a brave stand. I'm going to support Donald John Trump. I have nothing to be gained from this as thousands of people are cheering and throwing me stuff. Come on, Napolitano. See, the aldermen think we're dumb. And I can understand why they do. Because we keep reelecting the same madness year after year after year. Sorry, Dave Glowitz. I did not mean to go on that. Go ahead. Yes, you did. (laughs) 
<laughs> that was grandstanding. <laughs> but you have nothing to gain from that. I really do have nothing to gain. I'm stuck in an attic looking at a porta potty. What have I gained from this system? Forty well, years of bashing my head against the wall. What do I have to show for it, Dave? Nothing. Well, maybe this next one will cause you to your head to even explode. Uh-oh. This one is this next one. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. This it's next even one, worse than this. Go, Dennis. We're gonna do budget next. Uh, this next was the second item on the August 21st meeting agenda. And it is known as Resolution R2020-594. And this item urged the Budget Committee to, quote, hold monthly public subject matter hearings ahead of City city of Chicago annual appropriations ordinance hearings to allow constituents to express will and priorities regarding public safety. So it's essentially calling for public hearings around formulation of the 2021 budget. It was sponsored solely by Alderman Ray Lopez of the 15th. And let's listen to that. The next item on the agenda is a resolution calling for monthly public hearings throughout the city in advance of the 2021 budget hearings. Yes. The chair recognizes Alderman Dow. As chair of the Budget and Government Operations Committee, I take this position very seriously. I think my colleagues would agree that we have opened up the budget process to provide information to all the committee members and members of the city council who are not on the committee. I have to say that I'm deeply disappointed and somewhat offended that not one of the sponsors of this resolution contacted me to discuss this resolution. I think my colleagues know that I'm approachable, I'm fair, and I respect the committee process. Had a call been made, I would have provided the sponsors with the tentative schedule of the community outreach we would be doing in advance of the budget hearings that would be done in collaboration with the Office of Budget and Management. The chair recognizes Alderman Lopez. The outcry that we've heard from our residents from every part of the political spectrum demanding to know what we do with the $1.4 billion that we allocate through our police department to keep Chicago safe. And we have not had a single meeting to see if where we've budgeted money is in alignment with where the needs of our residents are. That is what this resolution called for. So that when we do finally meet in the coming months to discuss the budget ordinance, that we spend more than one day trying to figure out if we got it right. And today we're making a decision saying, well, I'm offended that you want to force this issue, so I don't want to hear from you. The chair recognizes Alderman Sigcho Lopez. It's clear that, unfortunately, in many previous meetings, that is really difficult to have debate among our colleagues. I hear Alderman Dowell's frustration. I will say that Alderman Dowell has shown, indeed, willingness and commitment to have hearings and discussions in city council. However, we have not seen the same in the Committee of Public Safety. And I do think that we need to be very clear about that. Because what we are hearing, what we're hearing from people across the city, especially our youth, is to have a debate about police accountability. We have for months demanded and asked for at least a hearing on CPAC. So I do think that we need to differentiate the issues and be very clear what's happening here and the lack of debate and answers that we have in the council. Thank you, sir. 
No, no, Mayor, Mayor, I'm, I'm not finished yet. I would ask you, sir, to wind up your comments. There are a number of well, your colleagues. I urge the mayor then to start having conversations with the city council because there's been a little, at least 40% of the council that doesn't receive proper hearings and proper briefings. So I urge you, mayor, to make sure that we all include it. The chair recognizes Alderman Moore. We really have to look and search and be honest here in terms of the people, frustrations, in terms of communication and information. If you ask most every alderman what's going on, when a constituents ask them that question, based on our conversation, when everybody say they don't know, that's an issue. The chair recognizes Alderman Beale. I take huge exception to my colleagues that have stated the things that they have stated. I have a pending resolution in the budget committee to ask pertinent questions as it relates to our budget, the CARES Act, COVID-19, the whole shebang as it relates to our budget, and I have not been able to get a hearing thus far. And I've asked for a hearing and I'm told that my resolution is redundant. Well, regardless if it's redundant or not, it is my right to ask redundant questions. And it is the people's right to hear answers to those particular questions. Also, I take huge exception to the scripted colleagues who are basically saying these things that we're grandstanding and, you know, we didn't approach them, we didn't call them, and we didn't do that. I don't have to call you if I put a resolution in your committee. I'm asking for questions to be answered, and I can't get the answers to those questions. I've been asking for a very long time about the ambulance reimbursement fund. All I get is the money's approved, the money is coming but yet we can't get pertinent answers to those particular questions. And so we just want to have a voice. We are not going to be silent. The chair recognizes Alderman Napolitano. We can't be a body. We can't be elected alderman if we're offended and felt like that we're stepped over every time someone questions anything that someone else is doing. That's not our job. Our job is to question each other to make this city better. This isn't about slighting anybody. It's about what's doing best for the city. And that's the only way this should be looked at. I want to clarify that the first person we heard was the budget committee chair, Alderman Pat Dowell of the third ward. Alderman Dowell expressed, as uh, we heard in the previous clip from Alderman Taliaferro, uh, offense that uh, this, this item was introduced. And subsequent to that, hearing the reactions, the responses to her, it seems there seems to be some agreement by some aldermen that that information is not evenly distributed by the administration. Uh, you get that sense. You heard um, uh, the number tossed out by Alderman Byron Sixto Lopez of the um, 25th Ward that um, there is uh, like, probably 40% in his opinion of aldermen who aren't getting information distributed to them. Also, um, you'll notice, Ben, that aldermen pointed out that issues around the entire city budget are linked to those of public safety. And, and the latter takes the form of the $1.4 billion devoted to the Chicago Police Department. And the last thing I'll say is this resolution also did not pass. <laughs> All right. Uh, this this debate 
uh, Dave, could be exhibit A of uh, what I was talking about when I said that uh, aldermen are pawns in the game. So we could, I'd like to introduce this as state exhibit A for pawns in the game. Uh, essentially what they're getting at is an age-old uh, debate over whether aldermen are legislators or service providers. And as far as mayors are concerned, uh, aldermen are service providers. First and foremost, their job is to make sure that the the locals are more or less uh, pleased with the services they get in garbage pickup, uh, you know, snow removal, uh, the, the mundane but uh, very important day-to-day affairs of running a city like Chicago. And they're only legislators uh, in that, that the law requires their approval thing for things that the mayor wants so at appropriate times the mayor convenes the meeting and tells them how to vote uh gives them the speeches they're supposed to read which they obediently read uh, uh echoing whatever phrases the mayor's speechwriters come up with uh denouncing people who disagree with them as grandstanders and troublemakers and non-tree planters going back to the days of richard j daly and then they obediently pass whatever the mayor wants them to pass whether whether they've read it, whether they know what it's involved, whether they agree with it, whether they disagree with it, it doesn't matter. They are pawns in the game. And so I, again, I am going to give a shout out to Raylo, to Beal, and to Anthony Napolitano. I don't agree with them politically on a lot of issues, particularly Napolitano, but Napolitano give you credit. You stand up. This is what aldermen should do. It's a check and a balance on the mayor. And it's funny that many of the aldermen who are now committee chairs for Lori Lightfoot played this role back in the old days for mayor when Mayor Rahm was the mayor or uh, when Richard M. Daly was the mayor. It's a very important role. Now, unless we're just going to say, which many Chicagoans want us to say, Mayor Lightfoot, you just do whatever you want. Just do whatever you want. I would say, Dave, that most Chicagoans have that attitude. I elected the mayor, she's in charge, or in the case of Rom, he's in charge, in the case of Daly, he's in charge. You know, well, it was Harold Washington it was a little different. Hey, we need to check the balance because, you know, Harold Washington's a little different then, but that was race involved. So we're now at a stage where most Chicagoans would willingly just turn everything over to the mayor. And the ballot's out on this one. Yeah, have some hearings, more transparency, the better. Explain what the budget is paying for explain what our tactics are and our strategies are i still trying to figure out was it a legitimate gripe uh, uh, that was directed at the police officers who were sitting in bobby rush's office way back at the end of may or june remember that one remember the outrage the shock the mayor says that investigation is ongoing uh it's ongoing oh, <laughs> it's ongoing that's a tough investigation we have more people to interrogate i mean so that, by the way, why aren't there hearings on that? Wait, you, you, there we go. Napolitano, call for a hearing on that. You know, more, more right to push back a little bit, more does uh, take sort of a, con- a position contrary to the one you just talked about, Ben, in that you said that uh, many Chicagoans are content to let just let the mayor handle it. But more said that. What, what he's experiencing, I'm paraphrasing him, what he's experiencing is people are asking, what is the city's plan around public safety? Well, things are, are, some things look clearly out of control. And he says that we don't know. And they, they said, he said that when aldermen persistently come up with that answer, then, then we know we have a problem. So that, that indicates that there are many people who 
perceive that the mayor doesn't have it all under control. Well, uh, that would be Alderman David Moore, the 17th ward. Is that the Moore that you're alluding to? Yes, that's the only Moore we have left now. Yeah, there's no more Joe Moore. We have one uh, less. We have one less Moore. One less more to answer. Uh, uh, Alderman David Moore, proud graduate of Sinian High School. Uh, you and I will just have to agree to disagree on that one. Uh, I've not seen any results from the last uh, mayoral elections that showed any indication on the part of the public that they uh, really care about what our mayors are doing. They're like helpless little sheep. I'll just vote for whatever. Oh, I like the commercial. Remember Mayor Rom got elected in 2015 because he had a commercial? What Rom love. Now, please, Dave, show me how a public that was moved by a commercial. No, he switched his sweater. That's what he did. He did, he the, he did the vote him. He actually had this little heart-shaped Rom love <laughs> logo oh, that his God. campaign used and the Dave, sweater. What? Come on, Dave. Just if it was just me and you talking. If it was just the two of us and you weren't, you know, having. Wait, to, it's not. You know, Dave Moore. You would know. You what? saw what happened. Oh, he put the sweater on, Ben. Give him a break, huh? He loves Chicago. He's tough love. I mean, and then it was President Obama gave a commercial. Oh, Rom's a little rough around the edges, but I really like him. And Chicago is dutifully. Well, that's all I need to know. I'm voting for. Well, let's not forget that, that your uh, conclusion of how many Chicagoans voted for and support the mayor doesn't include all the Chicagoans that didn't vote. That is a, f- a very good comeback. So we, uh, so we move on. Uh, but let me just before you go, Pat Hill, may you rest in peace. My dear friend, Pat Hill, used to tell me that all the time. A great activist, a police officer, too. And she, whenever I would go on that little rant, she'd go, Ben, most Chicagoans didn't vote. And, you know, Pat, I love you. So I will allow that. Uh, I'll uh, put that on the record, uh, Dennis. Uh, go ahead, D. I mean, I'm calling both of you D. Go ahead, Mr. Goetz. <laughs> Wait, your name starts with D too, Dennis? <laughs> I thought it was T. My, my brain hurts. <laughs> We're going to do Lopez next, Dennis, uh, in case we haven't had enough. Um, so we're going to leave the August 21st meeting. There's some other stuff that went on there, but not much. Okay. Uh, we'll now move on to the regularly scheduled meeting of the full city council on September 9th. That meeting went for a little under two and a half hours, and it conducted lots of routine city council business, unlike the August meeting. And one of the things that I found notable was something that actually came out of the August 21st meeting. And it came during the budget committee report by the budget chair, Pat Dowell of the third ward. And so let's listen to what she said. Item number four, a substitute resolution introduced by Alderman Raymond Lopez, 15th ward, concerning the committee on the budget and government operations to hold subject matter hearings on public safety in the city of Chicago. The chair recognizes Alderman Lopez. I personally want to take a moment to thank Chairman Dow for working with me to come to a better resolution that I think will provide increased transparency quarterly for the members of the city council and for the people of the city of Chicago so that we can see more accurately how our budget is progressing throughout the year for the next two years. I think that is a a wonderful fundamental shift in how we address our city's finances. And I want to also commend you, uh, Madam Mayor, for committing to the two years through our budget committee as well. I also want to thank both Chairman Dow as well as Chairman Talia Farrell, who, in accordance with this resolution, will be having a joint meeting on budget and public safety in the near future 
again, in the spirit of working together. So here, here's something remarkable, Ben. Yeah. Ray, Lopez, Ray Lopez introduced this resolution that we just talked about in the August 21st meeting, and it actually evolved, talk about evolved, and uh, into, into a compromise resolution. They actually uh, changed the, um, the language a little bit. It's now SR2020-594, passed by the city council to allow for quarterly uh, uh, scheduled uh, sort of progress reports on the on the city budget for the next two years. And what we heard was we heard uh, Ray, uh, Ray Lopez thanking all concerned. Well, that's a beautiful thing. And uh, I had a chair or two. Oh, Dennis, right I forgot to say, do you have Kumbaya that you can play? Now? Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. I had a tear or two. I had to wipe away. And uh, it was just a beautiful thing, you know, when they could all get together and and just, you know, work through their differences. And But doesn't that surprise you, given the tone of what we just heard from the August 21st meeting? I mean, I completely threw me. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, yeah, you're right. It is a it's it's a 180. Uh, so maybe, you know, everybody said, yeah, maybe a good idea to pretend as though. <laughs> We care about openness and transparency because, you know, there's not, listen, here's, here's the reality. We'll probably have a whole conversation on the budget, so I don't want to get too much into it, but um, budgets are forecasts. You know this, Dave, we've had this conversation many times and, uh, and so whatever they forecast now will change and, you know, the pandemic definitely caused a huge change in the forecast that was made in November when they passed the last budget. Uh, so if tomorrow there's a miracle uh, vaccine that emerges and that eradicates uh, coronavirus and we can go back to life as we know it, we can start doing these interviews back in our humble little studio uh, and businesses start flourishing again and people get back to work again, then that'll change the budget as well. So I which think is, Which important. is why having uh, sort of baked in public scrutiny yes. seems to me like it's a really good compromise. Yes, I think it's a great compromise. And let's, uh, so uh, I'm going to give a sincere not a, a shred of sarcasm or facetiousness in what I'm about to say. Good job, Raylo. Good job, Mayor Lori Lightfoot. And good job, Pat. Anybody else I got to give praise to for this one, uh, Dave? Uh, well, I guess, doing... guess Telefiero got a little bit of credit in there, too. Good job to you, Alderman. Uh, all of you. Just Can we just have like a group hug? I love you. You love me. I'd really I'm rather hear, I'd rather rather hear Kumbaya actually. Okay, all right, Kumbaya. Anyway, so uh, that's good. No, I'm all all that Chicago cynicism. I'm putting aside from here on out. Quarterly budget reports where they're going to have honest, transparent accounts of how they're spending our money, including the impact of tiffs on our property taxes. Well, they're going oh to have actually have public <laughs> public hearings too. So, yeah, well, speaking of compromise, uh, Dennis, we're going to do Woodlawn next. Another thing that happened at the September City Council meeting is they passed an ordinance that provides for the following: it ex- provides for the expenditure of city funds to preserve housing in Woodlawn, and it creates a pilot program for Woodlawn renters to get sort of a first crack at buying city-owned property. And this is viewed by a win, as a win by housing activists to combat gentrification around the planned Obama Presidential Center. And what we're going to hear is 20th Ward Alderwoman Jeanette Taylor 
speaking before the council's approval vote and let's listen. Item number one is an amendment to the Municipal Code, Title V, adding new chapter 5-10 entitled Tenant Opportunity to Purchase Woodlawn Pilot Program as part of the Woodlawn Housing Preservation Ordinance, providing additional residential funding programs for affordable home ownership, home improvement, and rental assistance. The chair recognizes Alderman Taylor. Whew. There are plenty of words that I could use and say, but I'll keep it short and I'll keep it to the point. We have plenty of organizations and people across the city who have seen investment happen and be displaced. And so from the very beginning, Madam President and Alderwoman Harrison, I thank you for wanting to have the conversation of saying displacement should happen. I think the hard part of this was having the conversations and figure out how it doesn't happen. While, of course, I want it all. I come from community organizing. But I do realize as an elected official, there are some compromise. And this is definitely um, the compromise. Um, it's something that the community should be proud of. They work very hard. They work together and they battled it out. And so it just shows you through conversations and, this, and us willing to work together that we can make great things happen for all constituents in the city. I want to thank Alderman Osterman for definitely being available um, for this conversation. Um, as a new Alderman, you don't know. And so you depend on your coworkers to help you out. And so I appreciate you putting your foot forward. To Commissioner Navarra and to Commissioner Cox, the fight is not over. We got a little more working it out and fighting to do, but this definitely is a step in the right direction. I'm proud of us doing what Chicago does, make it works for everybody. Chicago has a history of figuring it out. And we have to remember what we do in Chicago is what they model around the country. And so let's continue to do that work and work together. I'll just say two things about this before I go to you, Ben. One is that uh, for those keeping score at home, the ordinance that got passed was 02020-3987. And secondly, I noticed that Alderman, Alderman Taylor puts certain department heads on notice in what she said, namely uh, the Department of Housing Commissioner Marissa Novara, and Department of Planning and Development Commissioner Maurice Cox. And she's, uh, Taylor is saying that, that she and the housing activists that she works with are not done in uh, preserving affordability in Woodlawn. So she's saying, stay tuned, administration. Yeah, uh, let me just give a shout out to Jeanette Taylor. As you know, Dave, big fan of Jeanette Taylor. She comes on the show regularly. She was on the show a couple of weeks ago talking about this uh, very ordinance. It's it's a, a compromise to underscore, definitely. Uh, the whole issue of gentrification is um, a very challenging one for Chicago to face because essentially the whole point of the planning programs uh, supported and adopted by uh, the mayor and the city council over the last 30 years have been to uh, fuel gentrification. That's the whole point. That was Mayor Daley made it clear. He wanted to bring the middle class back to Chicago. And uh, that's just a euphemistic way of saying, I want gentrification. I want wealthier people moving to Chicago. I want property to, to raise in value. I want the tax base to increase. I want neighborhoods to transform. That is the purpose of much of the economic development programs of the last 30 years. Uh, Dave Glowitz and I have been having conversations about this on various podcasts going back to 2007. Uh, and uh, so to say that suddenly the city of Chicago is going to view gentrification as problematic 
is really stretching. Uh, you know what I mean? Our credibility. It's just like that's like saying the purpose of everything you've been doing for the last 30 years is problematic. Uh, so I give Jeanette Taylor credit for trying to speak up for people who are generally moved out of neighborhoods. And when they are moved out, it's considered triumphant. That's kind of what's happened, Dave. You know this. You've lived through it. You've lived through the transformation of Bucktown and Wicker Park and now Humboldt Park uh, on the north side of Chicago, Lincoln Park, Lakeview. And it's moving into the south side, Bronzeville, Woodlawn. This is, quote unquote, progress in the city of Chicago. This is what our economic development programs are intended or crafted to do as put out by the mayor. So suddenly out of nowhere, you have Jeanette Taylor of the 20th Ward uh, representing the views and opinions of many housing activists and low income uh, residents. And it goes against the whole grain of what Chicago has been all about for the last 30 years. So to say that it's challenging to have a policy confronting gentrification, uh, yes, it's challenging because up till now, the city has not acknowledged that gentrification is a problem. It's only people who get kicked out of neighborhoods who say it's a problem, and nobody cares about them because they're poor. So it'll be interesting, to, interesting to keep an eye on this um how this plays out in Woodlawn, because I'm not aware that it's, um, I think it's, it's different from what else I've seen in terms of housing policy in Chicago. And Taylor kind of uh, gives a shout out to that by saying, you know, she, she thinks that it's possibly a national model. So we'll, 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 we'll see. see how it goes. Yeah, We'll see how it goes. And right now everything's frozen. Uh, first of all, we're in the middle of a pandemic, so a lot of development is frozen. Uh, and second of all, the Obama Center, this is all uh, emanates from Barack Obama and Michelle Obama's uh, and the University of Chicago's desire to put the presidential center in Jackson Park, which is uh, I got issues with that, but let's put that to the side for the moment. Uh, and But that center itself, it, there's a, still a court case challenging it. Uh, that train is, is barreling down the tracks, man. Yeah, you're probably right. But, yeah. you know, the same thing was said about, um, uh, what's his name, uh, George Lucas, the Lucas Center. So it, it, my point is we have to wait and see a little bit because like things are sort of frozen right now. That's the only point I'm making. Even Alder, Alderman Taylor said to you that the Obama Presidential Center is coming. Yeah, she did. She said yeah. that to me. She said, Ben, it's coming. Yeah. Yep. But I, I said, well, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. All right, let's move on. Uh, Dennis, we're going to do rules next. So at the end of each full city council meeting, I've talked about in the past that the city clerk staffer reads a list of resolutions and ordinances that are being introduced by aldermen and by the mayoral administration. And with each item, they announce the committee that'll consider the proposed measure. And I want to preface what we're going to hear next with the fact that a couple of weeks earlier, Mayor Lori Lightfoot had made a speech about plans for the 2021 city budget, which we've mentioned a little bit. And in this speech, she pledged, quote, to push myself harder to work with people with whom I do not agree and who do, and who do not agree with me, end quote. And that context made the intro of two ordinances interesting to me. So let's listen to those. Alman Harris has proposed a resolution for amendment of the city council rules of order and procedure by modifying rule 46 to prohibit aldermen from soliciting paper and ink signatures for co-sponsorship of legislation in city council chamber during city council meetings, which is referred to the committee on committees and rules. 
Alderman Harris also has proposed a resolution for amendment of city council rules of order and procedure by modifying rule 54 to prohibit use of cellular telephones or personal electronic devices to make or receive audio calls or to record or broadcast videos in city council chamber, which is referred to the committee on committees and rules. Now that sort of monotonal delivery of those two introductions belies, I think, uh, to me, the sort of draw-dropping nature of these proposals. And let me explain. During uh, non-pandemic times, if you go to the c a full city council meeting, which take generally hours, uh, during discussions of back and forth and presentations by city staffers, et cetera, aldermen are working the room. And this is part of how they do their job. They're going around trying to get support for things they're proposing. And they sometimes will physically take a piece of paper that has signature lines on it for a thing that they're introducing and they'll put it in front of another alderman. They'll stand in front of them and say, blah, 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 will you support this? And, they'll, and the alderman will say, sure, and they'll sign. And this has not been happening, of course, because they haven't been meeting in person for a long time. But it, it, it's been explained to me by aldermen that this is a very important way of getting stuff done. And it's probably something that's maybe harder to do now because they're not meeting in person. So it invites the question, why would the Lightfoot administration, because this was introduced by um, Alderman Michelle Harris, who is the chair, the Lightfoot appointed chair of the Rules Committee. Why would the administration want to make it harder once the aldermen get to meet in person for them to do that kind of, you know, collaboration and negotiation. So that's the question I have to ask about this. Why would the uh, mayor, I'm just going to rephrase the question to you. So the question is, why would the mayor make it more difficult for aldermen uh, to introduce legislation that she opposes? Well, for them to be able to work with each other, actually, yeah. is what's going on. And then uh, the second item, I don't know if you noticed, it was so they can't also so they can't uh, text to each other. They can't text while they're at their desks, you know. So it's kind of it's kind of like uh, uh, grade school. It take kind of out of that sentence. Uh, <laughs> it's totally like grade school, and uh, I hope this stuff gets buried in rules and is forgotten. Listen, I find it as annoying as anybody else when I have guests, and I'll not mention any guests because this goes back to the days when I was in the, my beloved little studio. But they, while I was interviewing them, would be on their cell phones. Dave Glowitz, I am telling you that I had a guest who would be on their cell phones when I was talking to them. And afterwards, I would fume to Dennis. Uh, God damn it, they had their phones. And Dennis, in many cases, who uh, would, would come back and tell me. <laughs> <laughs> We're laughing because huh? Dennis what? Just, pulled his, just pulled out his cell phone. That was well, touche. <laughs> Touche, young it's, Dr. It's like Dave. we're in the same room together. I know. It's like, <laughs> thank God. It's Google Meet. Uh, and he would tell me, you know, he was probably um, uh, tweeting something. I was like, oh, yeah. Well, that was to me. Yeah. He was, no, no, I mean, he would say that about the guest. He was saying the guest was tweeting something. But anyway, so what I'm saying is, you know, Mayor Life, and I'm with you on that. You know, you and I, you're a little younger than me, but we're like, you know, kind of boomer types. And I am a boomer. You are too, by the way. But this first thing uh, of not allowing aldermen to go and talk to each other while the meeting is going on. 
That's, yeah, well, that's uh, clearly uh, Mayor Leifert has some issues about decorum, would you say? Uh, and that also works to undercut the uh, efforts by aldermen to negotiate and strategize and all those groovy things. Well, here's, 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 here's a narrative, a possible narrative. Mm-hmm. So we, we just talked about during this interview the ways in which the aldermen have uh, pushed back uh, against mayoral control of the council by a scheduling and having their own full city council meeting, B, pushing through measures that um, the Lightfoot picked chair, chairs of committee don't like. So one might conclude that the Lightfoot administration is anticipating once all these uh, wild aldermen get back together in the same room, there's going to be, you know, it's going to be even, uh, they're going to be more contentious. So perhaps she's heading it off. Yeah, maybe so. But I, I would, if I were an alderman, I would vote against uh, both of these. Look, there's always going to be a little contention between the legislative and the executive branch. Uh, It'll be interesting to see where this goes. Yes. Probably to the Rules Committee, never to be heard from again. That is my prediction. Uh, I don't know. All right, shall we move on <laughs> to the final item? Yes, sir. Dennis, we're going to do TIFF next. The final item, the final item, which which has has been slathering. (laughs) This was also tucked into the list of items introduced at the end of the September City Council meeting. And um, all it is is this very terse description by the city clerk staffer of a proposed ordinance. Let's listen. Alderman Cardenas has a proposed ordinance for amendment of municipal code, chapter 2-45, by adding a new section 2-45-156 regarding annual reporting on tax increment financing portability, which is referred to the Committee on Finance. So I I heard TIFF and I heard tax increment finance portability, and I'm like, <laughs> what, what, what? So I pulled up the ordinance, which I have here. Okay. And this essentially calls for two things. Uh, it calls, first of all, for the planning department to identify tax increment financing districts that have at least 40% surplus beyond their contractual obligations. And we can talk about how the heck that gets disclosed. And then secondly, it uh, causes the planning department to introduce an ordinance for all those TIF districts that have such surplus to port the surplus from the district to an eligible neighboring TIF district. And I took a look uh, very quickly uh, at what TIF districts are in Alderman Cardenas's 12th Ward, and I found at least one, which is the Stevenson-Brighton TIF district. So he does have uh, some districts in his ward that might be eligible, but this is, this is intriguing as to, like, where did this come from? I don't know where it came from, and uh, this is the first I heard of it when you introduced it to me uh, right before we did the show. Uh, This would probably require an entire show to take a deep dive on this one. Uh, And I'm going to give a shout out to uh, Alderman Cardenas. Again, he's similar to Raylo. It's an evolution that's occurred uh, in his career, uh, to use your word, uh, Dave Glowatz. Uh, When he first got in office, he was very much a loyalist to uh, Mayor Richard M. Daley, and he showed uh, much more independence over the last few years. Uh, This this particular ordinance, 
uh, gets at the heart of what I call the slush fund part of a TIF. And there's many reasons to object to the TIF program in Chicago, but uh, one of the, uh, at the, near the top of the list is the notion that uh, it, it's a slush fund. So millions and millions of dollars every year uh, go into uh, bank accounts controlled by the mayor and she's free pretty much to spend them however she wants. Uh, that obviously is not transparency. That obviously is not good government. And so it would be incumbent upon all the good government types uh, in the city of Chicago. Let's say the people who were so outraged by Smollett Gate, if I could just bring that one up from the earlier in the show, the show earlier today, so outraged by Smollett Gate and yet are so quiet about the TIF slush fund. Uh, uh, ben, would you characterize Alderman Cardenas as a good government type? Uh, as I said, it's an evolution uh, with Alderman Cardenas. He started off as a daily loyalist, and then at some point uh, he moved to, probably because his ward was changing and he saw he was under threat from progressives, he moved uh, toward the independent side of the equation. And he came to First Tuesday, I want to say... Four years ago or so, when uh, Mick Dumkey and I were hosting the show, uh, and we talked about his evolution. Uh, that was a, f a fun show, as I recall. So, uh, so you've got an up close look at that evolution. Yeah, and my basic point is this: I don't. I'd have to talk to Cardenas to see what got him motivated to do this. Uh, so I'm not going to speculate, but I will say this: uh, that if you want to reform the TIF program, the first thing you would do at the top of the list would be make sure uh, that no TIF district would be greater, would collect any more money than it needs for one single project. And uh, the reason we have a slush fund with TIF districts is that the TIF, uh, there's no ceiling on the amount of money a TIF district can collect. It can collect as much as it can bear uh, and uh, even if the initial project's completed, if the tax dollars will still go into the TIF district. Well, if you live, and this is what Harold Washington wanted to do way back in 1984. You could read the, his initial TIF plan. Uh, if you limit the, uh, the tax dollars that go into a TIF district only to one project, and you cut that TIF district off as soon as that project is completed, the slush fund disappears. And that's what Cardenas is getting at. I can't imagine any mayor, and I don't care who that mayor is, giving up that slush fund because money makes the world go around, to quote your favorite musical, Cabaret. I know you're a huge fan of Cabaret. That jingle jangle, clank, clank, clank. And uh, that's... Only if, it, that, only if it's the Liza Minnelli version. Very good for knowing that. Uh, that's my favorite <laughs> version too. I love that when she, when they uh, Joel Grace sings, "Money makes the world go round." Well, one but, of the uh, things in here is uh, that that if if it if you carved it out as an ordinance all by itself mm -hmm. is interesting to me is that identifying the unencumbered or the the uh, the actual contractual obligations in each TIF district because as you well know, Ben, this has been a source of mystery yes. to people such as yourself who have been looking at TIF districts for a long time. The city typically, quote, declares, unquote, a yes. TIF surplus at the end of each year, but it, it can't be independently validated yeah. by activists like of our friend Tom Tresser. Mm -hmm. You said it well. No need to go any further. You said it all. The city goes, well, that money's obligated. <laughs> Sorry, Tommy Tresser, we can't do anything for you. And, of course, nobody knows if it's obligated because nobody can see the evidence of it. The only people who know have the evidence is the city, and they're not sharing it. So there you go. Well, that's all I've got today, Ben. Well, that was a lot. 
It wasn't just all you got. That was a great presentation. Studio audience, could you give it up for Dave Glowatz? job as always uh dave one more time let people know where they can uh, read your excellent work and uh find you on the internet go you can read and listen to my work at the inside chicago government website that's shygov.com if you'd like to follow me on facebook that's uh facebook.com slash inside gov and on twitter at chigovt very good. Thank you very much, Dave Glowatz. That's Dave Glowatz. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everybody.